Welcome to the Sunday morning service at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia, where the Bible is opened and explained. Christians are encouraged and Christ is lifted up. Thank you for joining us and may your hearts be blessed as God's word is taught. And now, enjoy this message from Pastor Lauren Regeer. Amen. Thank you, John, for that reminder. God intimately knows us. Even the hairs of our head are numbered. And God loves us as dear children. It's a great reminder on this day especially. Well, you have your place, I trust, in Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 6. The question is, dads, are you investing in trouble or in treasure? Here's the verse as you follow along there in your Bible. In the house of the righteous is much treasure, but in the revenues of the wicked is trouble. Father, we do pray that our, house, our houses, our homes would reflect treasure from on high. May we be investors as parents in those things that are eternal, good, righteous, holy. And I pray that you would give us the courage in these days to stand for what is right, to be leaders, loving leaders in our homes. I'm so grateful, I am, for all the godly dads we have in this number. We're grateful for them. How their influence reverberates and is reflected in our homes. We're thankful for the calling for dads to lead spiritually. And I pray you'll help us with that endeavor. We pray that we be learners today in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says that in the house of the righteous is much treasure. The revenues of the wicked is trouble. I find it easy at times to live in both places, both houses. But let's start this morning by looking at the second half of this parable. It's a two-sided truth, really. It says in the, but the revenue, the second part of verse uh, 6 in chapter 15 of Proverbs, the revenue uh, of the wicked is trouble. Now, we're not saying that if there's trouble in your home, you're wicked. <laughs> we know uh, that uh, there is much trouble that comes to everyone. In fact, Job said as a uh, as the spark troubles is going to be come to your home as the sparks fly upward. In fact, Sidlow, uh, J. Sidlow Baxter, a preacher, said, If there is no opposition or trouble where you are serving the Lord, you are either serving in the wrong place or you're the wrong person. We know that in this world you shall have what? Tribulation, trouble. It does come to both the righteous and the wicked. 2 Corinthians 4.8 says, we are, Paul said, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. So in understanding this parable, these principles, it is good to know that there is such a thing as good trouble. One preacher was, uh, was just kind of asked the question, are you in trouble? Have you been in trouble? He says, yes, I have been, but it's been good trouble. There is such a thing as being troubled for the cause of Christ. And I don't want you to assume this morning as a dad, that you're out of the will of God because you're in some trouble. If you stand for the Lord, you'll be persecuted for it. There'll be trouble. And we learned that even from the Sunday school lesson this morning. Brother Marcus shared with us, we're often surrounded by trouble by the very design of God. The children of Israel hemmed in on all sides. But what Solomon is saying is clear, that when you invest in trouble, the revenue of that sort of behavior, that sort of life, over time will uh, return with all kinds of trouble. Wickedness uh, breeds trouble in the revenue, the house of the wicked. There's revenue or there is a return. The word revenue in this, in this, in this context, chapter 15, 
The word revenues of the wicked is the Hebrew word tevuah. It simply means wages earned. The, the wages of earned of the wicked or the investment return of the wicked man is trouble. Sowing will bring reaping. And usually we reap what we sow, don't we? It's usually a bit later. It's always more than what we sow. But what Solomon's telling us, if you continually invest in trouble, invest in wickedness, you'll find your house very troubled. Dad, a question for you. Is your house full of treasure or is it full of trouble? And I, I know that it's easy to be investors. We all are. Hosea 8, 7 says, For they, the wicked, have, have sown to the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. It was it's just a, a, a truth that cannot, it cannot be violated that what we spend our lives investing in spiritually, we will uh, get a return, usually again a bit later. For 22 years, we've been investing in a young man by the name of Nate. Nathan uh, came into our home, and, and we're thankful for uh, the years of investment. There's a little quote in the bulletin that I thought was interesting. The man who made that quote is not necessarily a great Christian philosopher, but I thought it was interesting. He said that much of our teaching as dads comes from those odd moments where we're not necessarily sitting down and structure and formalized education, but we leave for them scraps of wisdom that influence their lives. And it's been interesting to see Nate latch on to God for himself, not just because of his parents, but for himself. And then find a godly spouse. As we went to the wedding and sat there and just enjoyed that wedding there in the orchard not many days ago, I thought, thank you, Lord. It does seem that this couple is now uh, reaping the investment of our lives in their lives. And we're thankful for that. I'm grateful for what God will yet do with this, uh, this young couple, even in Connecticut. You know, parents, we do reap what we sow. And I found that, that in the house of the wicked, those that are given or sold to wickedness and selfish pursuits, there's a lot of things that they have trouble with. Now, this is not necessarily obvious from the text before us, but I wanted to take some devotional thoughts this morning and enlarge on this principle that in the house of the wicked is the revenue of trouble, the, the return of trouble. I think that many times the wicked have, number one, trouble with their possessions. Do you know sinners are mad about money? The Lord says you cannot serve God and money. You can't. The Lord, uh, and, and it's really it's the love of money that often confuses and brings trouble to the house of the wicked. If you take your Bibles not far down the road to the book of Ecclesiastes, here's the same author telling, telling us about his troubles in his life, and he ought to know. No one had more money than Solomon. No one had a, a, a greater kingdom necessarily in terms of opulence than Solomon. Listen to his little resume of how good he had it. I don't know if you're chasing the American dream. He certainly reached the pinnacle of chasing the Israeli dream in his day, the Jewish dream. Here's what he said, as a king of Israel, Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse 4, he said, I, I want you to do this. I did this as I was studying this text. I circled all the I's and the me's and the my's. There's over 30 in these 
verses till we get to verse 11. I made me great works. I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards. I planted trees and then all kinds of fruits. If you think you'll find satisfaction in a beautiful yard, follow on. I made me pools of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens. Servants were born in my house. I also had great possessions, great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me silver and gold. It was a golden, really, empire that he was the, uh, really the officiator of. The peculiar treasure of kings and provinces. I got me singers, men singers and women singers, the lights of the sons of men as musical instruments, all sorts. So I was, sound like Muhammad Ali here a minute, so I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. And my wisdom remained with me, and whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld, I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion, that's another word for stuff, of all my labor, I was surrounded by stuff. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do. <laughs> and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. Wow, he had it all, but all that he had didn't satisfy his heart. They have trouble, the wicked, the house of the wicked has trouble with all the possessions. First Timothy 6.10, the love of money causes some to err from the faith, piercing, them, piercing themselves through with many sorrows. So they have trouble with, of course, possessions. And then there's trouble in the house of the wicked over their pleasures, their pleasures. A pastor I know shared this story. He went out calling on a lost man, invited a lost man to church. The man said, Pastor, I think church is a good thing. So Saturday, we're going to have the privilege of just inviting folks to come to church. It's interesting the responses you get out and about in the community. We just want folks to know Christ. That's why we invite them to church. And uh, he invited this man to church, and the man said, I think church is a great thing, but Sunday is my day, my only day to rest, to sleep in. He said, so I can't come. Thanks for asking. I work hard all week. So the man went back and he began to worship his, 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 his God, his bed God, I call it. It's me, the weekends. Were, Dad, be careful that you don't slip into that, that, uh, that wickedness, that the weekends were made for me. I was studying the Old Testament. No longer is the Sabbath day principle necessarily, uh, the, the, at least the Sabbath, Saturday is set aside, set aside as the day of rest. For us as believers, it's Sunday, the first day of the week. But the principle was so ingrained in the Jewish people that there was the death penalty. If you decided to work on the Sabbath, the Lord said, you've got to slow down and focus on God. Dad's is your home a place where God is focused upon? Or the weekend's made for you? Look out what your investment in the pleasures of life look like. Don't let them cut out ministry and your sense of using your spiritual gift the place God calls church, rest on his day and enjoy his wonderful delights. Encourage you as dads to keep the, the church principle alive in your house. There's trouble in the house of the wicked. While he lived, agnostic, 
Voltaire thumbed his atheistic nose at God, but when he died, his last words were these, I'm abandoned of God and man. I shall go to hell, O Christ, O Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 3.4 tells us that wicked men are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. The house of the wicked can be known by their desperate search for pleasurable things living for pleasure instead of God, that revenue is fleeting and empty. Proverbs 14, 13 says, Even in laughter, the heart is sorrowful, and the end of that mirth is heaviness. So the wicked has lots of investment coming back in, but those investments bring trouble to his life. Possession and pleasure, they have happy hours, the wicked do, but heavy hearts The Bible says, have you found this to be true? The way of the transgressor is what? It's hard. Ever drive out of your driving lot and look at the neighbor's house and it's a little bigger than yours. His yard doesn't have any dandelions in it. Uh, His car is bigger than yours. And it seems like they're happier than you are. The way of the transgressor is hard. And somebody who's living a life without God, investing in pleasure and possessions, are finding out that the revenue will soon come. And that revenue, dear friends, is not not holiness and righteousness. Instead, it's trouble. Sometimes we look at our children and we wonder, why is it that they don't love the God we love? Or at least we claim to love. My wife saw a sign uh, the other day that said this, Children hear, children speak. Children see and children do. And parents wonder why. Why is my child like that? Well, they follow our example. Dad, what are you investing in? What are the revenues of your investment? The wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life. So invest wisely. Wickedness in the heart uh, certainly brings trouble in the home. It causes unkind words. It brings wicked attitudes, broken relationships, abuses of all kinds. The revenue of wickedness is trouble, possession and pleasure. And then they, uh, wicked have trouble with perversions. I've seen it all over the culture. We're changing rapidly from even just good standards of morality that uh, 50 years ago were pretty much the norm, at least in our country. But we're seeing such a departure, aren't we? from the standards of godliness and morality. And so these things that we are seeing cropping up and rising as a rising tide of sodomy and homosexuality and promiscuity, the revenue of that has many health consequences. The words of our former president, men talking about in the 90s now, he said this about those who practice homosexuality in the military. This is back in the 90s. He said, I don't want anybody to disqualify people from military service because of something they are. He says, I understand discrimination on the basis of what people do, but not when it involves what people are. He was already setting the stage back in the early 90s for this attitude that really your identity, your gender cannot be figured out. It's not biologically a fact, but it's up to you. And so there's such a gender confusion today, and people are honoring what God calls uh, an abomination. These kinds of pervasive attitudes are affecting Uh, our culture today. And wicked choices are being now excused, ignored, redefined, and even promoted. Uh, I think June is 
ascribed, the whole month of June is ascribed to celebrating a gay pride in our country. It's a shame to us. And all God's people said, Amen. getting quiet out there. There's a rising tide of perversion. I don't know if you've noticed that. Now, God's called the church to love all kinds of sinners. But there is a softening of the backbone that we need as believers to stand up against this growing revenue of trouble. Proverbs 14. You don't have to back up at all in your text very far. Proverbs 14. And then verse 34. What does the Bible say? What does your Bible say? Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people, including America. Oh, pray for our homes and our men that God would cause us to stand up against the moral trespass that is rising in the culture around us. Did you know that God, in Romans chapter 1, years and years ago, told us about the progression of sin? It starts with unthankfulness and works its way to the fact where finally we uh, are, have men giving up the natural use of their bodies and women as well, exchanging the truth of God for a lie. And the final result of all of that, dear friends, is this, that we become a nation, a culture, where we can no longer think as God intended us to think. And there, there is what is called in the Bible, Romans chapter 1, we, God gives us up. He takes his hand off and lets us self-destruct and gives to us a reprobate mind, a mind that can no longer think the way God expects us to think. And America is on a fast track to this sort of perversion. And so we sow to the wind. Years ago, it was this simple thought, don't ask, don't tell. But we've sown to the wind, and now we're weeping at an alarming rate, the whirlwind. There's all kinds of other, I suppose, abuses that we could pick on from the pulpit. Each one of them has ruined homes, wrecked health, destroyed dreams. I wish I could take all of you on a tour of a, a hospital that I visited often in Wichita and in Indianapolis called the VA Hospital. Some of you perhaps have been treated at the, as military folks at the VA hospitals. It was my, really, ministry joy to be able to go from bed to bed. They allowed me to do that at that time and just share Christ. I can't tell how many of you, I mean, I can't tell you how many of those folks were all ravaged by the, really, the excesses of a life of sin. It's not, of course, excluded or uh, exclusive to the military, but many of them had tracheotomies and and they had bodies just abused by a life of sin. And, and it was a joy to share Christ with them. But I thought myself often I would leave that place thinking, Lord, it's true. There is consequences to a life of shameful wickedness. There was a sign in a, a rescue mission in Wichita. There's a picture of a guy. His face was disheveled. Uh, and it just looked like a bum. And, of course, there was a cigarette dangling out of his mouth. And there's this little caption underneath it. My, isn't smoking glamorous? You know, the devil paints a pretty good picture of what it's like to chase possessions and pleasure and perversions of all kinds. And yet, the, these types of lifestyles end up in time really bringing consequences. The Bible says, we are made by the Lord and for the Lord and will return to Him. We are not our own, but we are what? bought with a price, therefore we are to glorify God. Dad, is your home a God 
glorifying place? Or do you allow that television and your children to just watch whatever they want to watch on the screen and on that little screen that they hold in their hands and often have an autonomy with without even you knowing what's going on? There is a sewer, isn't it? It comes not just from Hollywood, but from all over. It is directing the lives of our children. Dad, somebody needs to tell us we've got to stand up against the perversions that certainly will bring to bear in time hearts that are so far away from God that maybe they will no longer be able to think. Reprobate mind is a fear that we ought to have as Christians. May God not allow us to, to let those in our charge, in our flock, Go to the place where they are being dominated, controlled by these sorts of perversions. Well, uh, the wicked certainly uh, have many possessions. Uh, They have delights and things perhaps that they shouldn't have, pleasures and perversions. They have trouble. The house of the wicked has trouble with the revenue of peace. They can't find peace. Some of you remember the name Howard Pyle. Raise your hand if you remember Howard Pyle. Howard Pyle um, tells of a story about a North Carolina man, and uh, he was, of course, lost, and, and uh, he was refusing to re- receive Christ. They came for him to die, and on his deathbed, uh, this man, according to Brother Pyle, hollered out, I won't go! I won't go! Shaking his fist at God, he said, I will not go! But we all know that he did. God took his life and met his final judge. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. And so all of us have an appointment with God, and there God will add up the revenues of our life. Only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for God and for Christ will last. And Every day is simply an installment, an investment in eternity. And one day all of us will stand and give an account for those in our flock, in our family, those that we're responsible for. Dear friend, I wonder, what are you investing in? What will be the return that day? Will all that you've done in your life go up in smoke and you're saved as it were by the skin of your teeth? Or will there be crowns to your name? Will there be any rewards, any revenue that are righteous. Certain pharmacists came to a Wednesday night service in a Florida Baptist church that will remain unnamed. He was completely white in his face, shaking like a leaf. The pastor noticed it and went to him and asked him, what in the world is the matter with you, sir? You just look like you're troubled. He says, my soul is very troubled and I have no peace. He told him this story. He said, a man was in my store 30 minutes ago. He picked up a prescription with a smile, carefully or cheerfully walked out. He rounded a a curve of the road 10 minutes later, sideswiped a semi-truck. His legs and his feet were crushed under the steering wheel, and his body was torn apart, found later in the ditch. Not more than 10 minutes after he left my store, he was dead. Isaiah 57 21 is a a true verse about peace. There is no peace, saith God, to the wicked. That lost man had an appointment with God just as you and I do. We don't know how much time we have left, do we? And yet, 
there is a return for a righteous life as there will be for a life without God. And the wicked certainly shall be turned into hell. Let's invest our lives in heavenly treasure. Well, I like the first part of the verse. Not only is there a warning in the second part of the verse, but as we wrap up this morning, I love the first part of the verse. In the house, amen. In the home, dad, are you taking notes? In the house, the home of the righteous. And it's not a little, it's what? It's much treasure. I'd like to go to your house today. I'm not inviting myself in for dinner. But I'd ask you the question, so show me your treasure. Where would you take me? Do you have underneath perhaps the floor of your basement a little safe or a little place you've dug in the ground and you've got three or four bars of gold that you're waiting to spend? You've said, I've invested my whole life in this. Maybe it's your bass boat. Maybe it's your fishing pole collection. I don't know where you would take me. If I asked you the question, coming over, I want to see your treasure, would you point to your family? Would you point to your yard, your house? You've worked so much to make that place look good. In the house, what does the Bible say? In the house of the righteous is so much treasure. I used to be employed as a a high school student in Kansas um, on a hog farm. Not proud of it, but it paid the bills. I didn't have a lot of bills as a high schooler, but it helped me for college. And in the middle of the hottest days of the summer when things were dry, my farmer would say, I want you to go out and make hog wallers. Have any of you ever made a hog waller? That's what I thought. Well, there is one everywhere. Amen. You know what I'm talking about. I didn't know what a hog waller was. And I was a Kansas boy at the time. And so he said, what you do is you take this long hose, you go out in the middle of the hog lot, and it's just dry as a bone right now, but I want you to just... And I didn't mind this job, standing there holding a water hose. It wasn't too bad. It wasn't labor intensive. And I just want, he said, I just want you to make two or three hog wallers out there. And you just put the water in one spot and let it run, see what the hogs do. And so what would happen is you would just let that much water flow, and it just kept flowing and flowing, and the pigs would keep coming and coming. And I don't know if you've ever seen a happy hog. <laughs> Have you ever seen a hog smile? Man, they had a great time. I mean, they're like a bunch of third graders when you turn on a water hose. Just, they just bark, and they yelp, and they jump up and down, and yeah, they smile. And they, pretty soon they dig this big hole. He says, you need that in the summertime in Kansas to keep all the gnats and the bugs and the flies off these hogs. They'll waller in that. They'll roll over. They'll get that mud caked all over them. That protects them. He says, really, it's a health benefit if a hog has a hog waller. He says, I want you to make two or three. And I would. And it's such a neat thing. To, I, I guess if you can love a pig, <laughs> to see them, they roll over, they splash, they bark, they play, they romp, they skip, dance, they smile. And the Bible says something about the, the muchness of God's grace. If you're investing in the right thing, you can tell it. In a happy home, there's a spirit of joy. When the prodigal son came home, the Bible says his father ran to him and kissed him. And it's not there reflected in our King James text, but the, there's, a, there's a qualifier. 
The father kissed him in the Greek. There's, the father kissed him muchly. And I'll tell you what, in the house of the righteous, there is a spirit of abundance and joy. Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply, say it, all your needs. Not according, according to his riches, his, his abundance in Christ. The Bible, say, the Bible says, the eye has not seen, nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. In the house of the righteous is much treasure, much treasure. Can you think of another verse that says that God gives to us who are righteous and live righteously abundance? John 10.10, he came to give us life and to do what? Give it more abundantly. There's much abundance, much peace. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 5, 1 through 3. I'm just enumerating some of the treasures in the house of the righteous. There's much assurance, blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I should be able to open our, our, our doors to our front doors to our house and just get that secure, that feeling of security and peace. Not like Voltaire, the agnostic who couldn't. Find God didn't want to find God, wasn't looking for God. At the end of his life, realized that he was facing eternity in hell. There ought to be behind the door of every house where the Father is investing in eternal treasures, there ought to be the spirit of security and assurance. John 5, 24, most assuredly, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that hears my word and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. Glory. I, I'm not headed for hell. Because I have a relationship with God, the peace of God pervades my heart because I have a relationship with Him through Christ. And our homes are to be the security that God is the chief there, the, the one who's the superintendent of our homes, and it brings peace. There's much forgiveness. Ephesians 1.7, there says, In whom we have forgiveness according to the riches of His grace. Listen, we don't have a perfect home. Rob and I would be the first to admit it. We've had our squabbles and our fights. But there is a sense in which we find true that since we have been forgiven by God, we can forgive each other. Usually I'm the one that's most at fault, but it doesn't matter. Sometimes we go off in a stomp and a stew and I go to my place and I realize my part of the house and I realize the Lord, the Holy Spirit begins to knock on my heart and says, you know what, you've been proud. Right or wrong, you've been proud. Does that same Holy Spirit come to your house ever? And you just need to go make it right. In whom we have forgiveness. Imagine if our Father in heaven turned his back on us. Huh. He'd say us to us, that's the last straw. That's the last time. You've done that so many times. I'm sick of that. How gracious is our Father. How kind is his mercy. 1 John 1 7, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from most sins. No, that's a misquote. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. As far as the east, Psalm 103 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I'll come to the Lord said, Lord, I, I, I did that last week. And I'm here to ask forgiveness again. And the Lord will say, what sin 
as far as the east is from the west. I forgave that, son. I forgave that. There is much forgiveness in the home of the righteous. There's much treasure. There's much purity. I had two friends in high school, one in college, confessed their struggle with impurity. And the statistics are that at least one in five or maybe more in the church are struggling with pornography. God can give us victory in our, over our past or our lustful habits. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, becoming new. Old things are passing away. Behold, all things are becoming new. Much treasure, much joy and delight. Thou wilt show me the path of life. Psalm 16.11 In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand pleasures forevermore. John 16.24 Ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. Ah, what treasure there is in the house of the righteous, in the home of the righteous. Is your home characterized by these things? Or are your children finding empty wells, trying to find them success and pleasures of this world that are passing and destructive in some ways? So many of our Children keep throwing buckets, investing in empty wells, throwing down buckets, hoping for something better, and they're learning it from us. Great verse. We wrap up in Jeremiah 14, verse 3. Dads, you ought to mark this verse. It says this, And their nobles have sent their little ones to the waters, and they came to the pits and found no water. They returned with their vessels empty, they were ashamed, and the children were ashamed and confused and covered their heads. Dads, let's, let's not send by our example our kids to find water where there is none. Love the song, don't you? The hymn. I thirsted in a barren land of sin and shame and nothing satisfying. No treasures there, nothing satisfying there I found. But to the blessed cross of Christ, one day I came where springs, <laughs> not mud, Springs of living water did abound. It ought to just gush out of your house. Every window, every door. Glory, the taste of living water, the treasure of it. Oh, wonderful and bountiful supply. And now glory, grace, and blessing mark the path I've trod. I'm shouting hallelujah every day. Thank you for joining us today. Please tune in each week for new messages from Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia. Until next time. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you.